I'm ill. I'm sick. I'm nasty. I'm a nasty boy. Um, now, I'm not using street slang right now to try and tell you how cool I am. I think that should be fucking obvious to you by now. Um, what I'm actually doing is speaking in very in perfectly normal English and telling you I'm unwell. I'm physically unwell, not just mentally this week. I have a horrible, nasty cough. <coughs> I've barely slept. And I feel terrible. I really feel like shit. But I'm still here in my shed, pumping out another episode of Rugby Rant Banter. Like some kind of, I'm like some kind of relentless, lingering virus that you can't quite shake off, aren't I? I'm here. I'm always here. You think I, I'm gone. But I always come back. You can't get rid of me. There is no, well, I suppose you could just stop listening. Um, but today is the 199th episode of Rugby Rant Banter. Almost special. But it's not. Next week will be special. The 200th episode. Two centuries of bullshit. And I'll be having rugby brethren attending. Now, this is going to be very interesting. You've got to tune in next week, especially if you're going to be on the podcast. Please make sure you're there. Um, There's going to be a shit ton of rugby brethren. There's going to be the Mallover guys. I think all of them. That'll be incredible. Imagine if Rugby Rantabanta was able to do what Mallover Rugby has been unable to do and got all of them to be on one podcast at the same time. Um, and there'll be various other brethren that I don't yet want to name because I'm not sure who is going to do it. And if they are going to do it, I don't know if they want to be named. Because anything can happen. And I don't blame them. We'll come up with pseudonyms for them. But we'll see. It doesn't matter. That's that's next week. We need to stay in the now. Right now. Um, I do want to say really quickly, I'm not sure how I'm going to manage the schematics when it comes to making that podcast, because how many people can you have? If we're doing Skype or something similar, how many people can you have? And how many, how many people can you, can you have? Like how many people will it let you have? Will the technology allow? And how many people is so many people that it's just going to be a mob interrupting each other every five seconds. We'll find out. Uh, But again, Let's get back to reality, back to now. This is episode, well, it's episode, Rugby Red to Bed, episode 199. Let's go. Fuck that up, didn't I? Hi, Sheddies. Uh, it's me, Eddie Stevens. Uh, I already did that, didn't I? You know what? I'm going to do my fucking best. I'm going to do my best. I am feeling rough. I'm not sure what that weird little um, Tibetan monk chant I just did then was. I feel like I might be close to an out-of-body experience um, through the through the illness. My soul is trying to leave my body because it feels so shitty. But this will be fun. This will be interesting. Let's see uh, if the fever... Um, 
no, nothing. I couldn't even finish the sentence. The fever is not going to help me. I don't even have a fever, so that made no sense. This is what we're going to talk about today, okay? And when I say we, I mean I. I'm going to talk about the Premiership. What the fuck else could I talk about? But I'm also going to talk a little bit about hookers, just hookers in general. Um, and then I'm also going to talk about French rugby slightly. And then I might talk about something else I don't really know. Uh, already off to a bad start. Let's get to the rugby. Rugby, rugby, rugby. I watched four out of five matches this week. The only reason I didn't watch the fifth is that those cunts... And when I say those cunts, it was actually specifically Nick Mullins, who I really love. But that cunt Nick Mullins gave away the result to the Saracens game while I was watching. And I don't know why this is still a thing. This has been going on for decades now where you'll be watching a rugby match in the premiership and you know you're going to watch another game at least one other game and then they feel compelled to start just ruining the scores for you it's very very poor rugby etiquette everybody knows very few people will just watch i mean very few real rugby fans in england will watch a game at the very least, they might want to watch the highlights of the other games. They certainly don't want the results spoiled. There is no advantage to it. There is no advantage to it. I can understand late in the season, once it's getting to playoffs and results really are starting to make a difference as to who is going to get through, you know, to the to the later stages. I can understand that. It still pisses me off. I'd still appreciate if if they said, and if you don't want to know the results of Northampton versus, uh, for some reason I almost said Budgerigar, which is not a rugby team, it's a type of bird. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I just remembered I was making some tea. Shit, hang on, I'll be right back. Um, masturbate really quickly. All right, did you do it? Was that enough time? How was it? Was it good? Um, here's what I want you to do. Next time you're having sex with your wife or your girlfriend or whoever, I want you to, um, when you come, I want you to make whatever noise you make. I want you to go, oh, fuck. And then I want you to go, marmalade is served. Okay? Um, and then say, didn't like it, and start crying. Anyway, um... Let's talk rugby. You keep being weird and changing the subject. Uh, oh, no, yeah. I was complaining about Nick Mullins for being a bastard and ruining the results. Like, as I was saying, just to reiterate, I can understand when the results are having a tangible effect on the table um, at the important stages, at the tail end of the season. But right now, there is no reason. There is no good reason for it. Shut up about it, Nick Mullins. Um... So the Saracens versus whoever the hell they played. Can you tell? I, can, I can't even remember. So, oh, Newcastle. Probably the one game that I was least, you know, excited to watch. So that's okay, I suppose. Um, but I watched all the rest. Let's go through them all. I, it's first match, um, Gloucester versus Parakeet. I mean, Bath. Uh, Gloucester versus Bath. Here are my notes. Uh, first of all, Lewis Ludlow, a guy who did get in the England squad at one point, and we were all very surprised. And it does show how unbelievably thick we all are, because this kind of thing happens sometimes. Do you remember when, um, I suppose it was Ben Curry, 
but Ben and Tom Curry first got introduced introduced to the England squad, and most of us were like, "Huh? Uh, okay, that's a bit weird." Like, I'd seen them play for sale. I thought they were all right. Never did I think they were England potential. Same with um, Lewis Ludlow's almost named doppelganger, Lewis Ludlow. I liked Lewis Ludlow at Saints, but I didn't ever really think about him playing for England. They brought him into the England squad, and now he's one of my favourite players. This happens quite often. But um, Lewis Ludlow was a bit of a joke when he was when he was brought in. Didn't we joke? Somebody joked. Maybe it was a, another podcast. Um, maybe it was all of us. Maybe it's an obvious thing to, to joke about. But I think we joked that, oh, they must have accidentally called up Ludlow instead of Ludlum, and now they're stuck with him. But he's actually a phenomenal player. And he, you know, from the outside, it's always hard to say, you know, who, who's a good leader, who's a good captain. We get told, oh, this guy has great leadership skills, you know. Sometimes it's controversial. Someone like Owen Farrell, it's like, does he? Um, and we don't really know because we're not there. But we are, you know, we rely on the opinions of the players around him. But with Lewis Ludlow... I feel like it's something you can actually see when he, he really, he leads from the front. And there was a moment in this match where he was in a ruck, like rucking. And then um, Carreras was getting in. He was, I can't, I don't know what he was doing, but he was all feisty. And he looked like he was about to start some shit with somebody. And while rucking, Lewis Ludlow grabbed him by the scruff of the shirt and just pulled him back on side. I mean, talk about fucking leadership. Didn't even have to say anything. Um, I thought that was sort of stood out to me. Um, but speaking of Carreras, a great player. We've seen him play brilliantly for Argentina. We've seen him play brilliantly for, for Gloucester. Regardless of if he's playing fly-off or fullback, he's defensively sound. He's great in attack. And most Argentinians, I feel like, are pretty tough, aren't they? Um, but he got absolutely ran the fuck over by Will Muir. Um, and that is no mean feat, as I said, to run Carreras over like that. I mean, it can happen to anyone, but it's it's an impressive thing to... And I was thinking, Will Muir was sort of on my radar, I think, the season before last. And I don't know if he had a bunch of injuries or what, but he kind of slipped off my radar. But now he's firmly back on it. We do have an embarrassment of riches on the wing, don't we, in England? Um, you know, we've got... I'm always talking about Adam Radwan... Everybody loves Caden Murley. I love Lewis Liner. Um, and then I actually still think Rocco Daguni is a is an option. I know it's, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, and there's somebody else I'm forgetting that I really like. But, you know, the point is we got plenty of options of uh, uh, on the wing for England, even with the retirement of Johnny May. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, speaking of England options, the, he who, who cannot be named, but I will name him, uh, because my shyest touch has probably penetrated his butthole more than it. Yeah, that was weird. I've just decided that's how I infect people with my shyest touch. It goes up their butts. And uh, that's where the shit comes. Ooh, that's gross. Pretend I didn't say that. But I have touched... I have touched Alfie Barberry with the Shidas touch, both hands covered in Shidas shit and basically ruined his life to the point that the brethren have told me I'm not allowed to talk about him. But remember, it's really only when I hype players up, so I'm not going to hype him up. But what I am going to say is this season, he hasn't really looked at his best, although 
there's been moments, and I better not dwell on them, there's been moments where I've seen something. Um, but in this match, all I want to talk about is this is a guy who, you know, because of me, has had horrible luck with injuries. And it's specifically his knees, right? He's always getting knee injuries. Well, he took a fucking tackle that I don't know who the Gloucester player was, but it was off the ball. And talk about targeting the wrong body part on the wrong fucking guy. Um, like I said, Alfie Barberry has knee problems. That tackle would have put most people off. That would have taken most players out. That would have caused problems for anyone's knees. And he actually, I assumed he'd gone off as soon as it happened. I went, oh no, how long is he going to be out for now? But he kept playing at least for a while. Incredible that he managed to stay on. I shan't say any more about him. Um, Interesting moment in this match where a South African prop came on and changed the match with the uh, English prop. English prop, sorry. Freudian slip. Bath prop that I wish was English just because that's how stupid I am. He came on and made a difference at the scrums. It reminded me of England versus South Africa. And I went, is he English qualified? But he's not. Um, this was a decent match, but the highlight, highlight of it, of course, was when Finn Russell shushed the shed. And I'll tell you what, it's predictable that everybody would be saying Finn shushed the shed, but it annoyed me because in that moment, I thought that would be the title of my podcast. Oh, Finn shushed the shed. Finn shushes the shed. And then it turns out everybody's saying that because it's really obvious. So now I will shush my shed and not use that title. Anyway, Bath won the match. Don't care. Let's move on. Leicester versus Harlequins. This was a great fucking game. Every Quins game is great. I love Quins. I think they're so fun to watch. Um oh, bloody hell. I've written down in my notes Lester D O R question mark. And that's because I couldn't think of his name. And when I saw him I didn't recognise him. Sorry, I'm drinking tea. Um English tea. Um English tea from India. Um there's not enough hype around the Premiership in general. I know it's a World Cup year, but I feel like I, somebody fully immersed in Gallagher Premiership news, should be well aware of who the new Leicester DOR is. And I don't know. Um, but just uh, looking through this, my notes of this match, we had Oscar Beard and Anyanwi. Is that how you say it? I fucking hope so. In the centres for Quinns again. Um, but I think, did am I right in thinking that, yeah, Andre Esterhazen came on? Um, right at the start of this match, the the uh, matchup that I was looking forward to was uh, Mike fucking Brown versus is it Nick David? David the uh, the the uh, the I almost said fucking Leicester, but of course Mike fucking Brown is a Leicester player now, so it doesn't make sense. The Quinns fullback, who I really rate, really like. Um, but you know what? I don't know who came out on top on that. Neither of them were particularly outstanding in this particular match. Freddie Stewart playing on the wing. I feel like if I didn't know anything about these teams and these players, I'd have watched that match and said, this big uh, Leicester right wing should be playing fullback. I feel like he looks like a better fullback than the ones playing. So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, Alex Dombrant had another really good game. Uh, scoring again, keeping up his credit in the England bank, at least my England bank. Um, Alex Dombrand, a guy who it's not trendy to like. 
um, for a couple of reasons. One, I've realized people hate Quins. A lot of people don't seem to like them. Um, and also we, as a, as a people, uh, we like to build people up and then tear them down. And there was a period not too long ago that Alex Dombrandt was everybody's choice to play eight. And then once he played there, well, you know, I'm guilty of this. I'm not guilty. He just didn't, he didn't play. He didn't, he did not warrant his continued selection. So now it gets tricky because when he was playing poorly for England, I think he was playing pretty well for Quinns, which begs the question, is he just better for Quinns than he is for England? I don't think so. I think that when we're looking at the England back row, and that's something I'll talk about more um, on a separate episode, because what I'm doing is um, right now on my YouTube channel, which you should be subscribed to, I'm going through each position in the England team and figuring figuring out who should be playing there. So it's not a very original idea, but it's done in quite an original way. So please check that out. More on that later. Um, it was hookers this week. Did I already tell you that? I can't remember. Anyway, um, right now, Ben Earl absolutely is our starting eight, as far as I'm concerned. And then it's Alex Dombrand. And with Mercer injured, I just don't see anyone else really in the picture, unless you want to play Ludlam or Curry there. I mean, I think we've all agreed now that Billy Vunapola is a um, a sort of championship-level prop and doesn't need to be in the England team ever again. Uh, couple of great finishes in this match, by the way. So, such an insi- exciting game. But there was an amazing finish um, by Tyrone Green, which I'll get into in a minute. But also an even more amazing finish by Liebenberg for that try it was like in the in the first quarter of the match where ben youngs zips a fast flat ball into basically nobody just just fired it into someone's head or something and it ricocheted into liebenberg's hands and he had a millimeter millimeter of space and a millisecond of time to reach out and duck down in the corner which he did and he got hurt doing it but it was a very impressive finish the other great finish like i said tyrone green does it again with another aerial touchdown, this time not from a a collected kick, not quite as stunning, but still a really nice aerial finish in the corner. What did uh, Nick Mullins say? He said, um, oh yeah, magnificent green in his flying machine, which was almost made up for him ruining the results uh, of the Saracens match. Um, As I say, this was a great match, and it's always great when I watch Quinns. But I have to say, the intensity was also top notch and i'm going to talk about this at the end of this podcast this idea that the premiership is all of a sudden not of a high enough intensity that the defense is all of a sudden not of a high enough quality i take issue with now and i'm going to get into that more later so stay till the end if you weren't going to um another player who's on my england radar and and this is a guy who proved me wrong because i have said before he's too small which is not something i usually say about players i've always been of the opinion if you're good enough you're big enough but will evans quinn's open side i remember him he played for leicester in the past and i i saw him it's kind of unlucky for him i think i just saw him get um flattened once and it left a it was in the in the mud it was a horrible muddy day and he got swatted away uh and i think he got injured and i just thought he looked physically frail but i think it was just bad luck because ever since then 
especially at Quinns, every time I see him play, every single game, he's influential, winning turnovers, making important hits, does actually carry quite well. But I mean, if you want, if you want a player who fucking just has a, a first class engine, never stops working, um, almost like a Sam Underhill style, but just his impact instead of, you know, Sam Underhill's impact is in these big hits, um, which he's probably the best at, but Will Evans, his impact is at the breakdown. Now Underhill's good at the breakdown, breakdown too, but Will Evans, uh, that's his specialty. Can you imagine having Will Evans and, oh God, I just thought of something that's going to make me ejaculate. Imagine an England back row. I know it's not ideal in terms of uh, chemistry and balance, but imagine an England back row of Sam Underhill, Will Evans, and uh, Jack Willis. Sorry, my brain stopped for a second. Fucking Sam Underhill, Will Evans, and Jack Willis. How would the opposition ever get the ball? Love that. Anyway, um, funny moment in the match where um, Will Porter, uh, the scrum half, who was on with Danny Kerr on the bench, scored a nice try. Will Porter, Porter, I like him, actually. Um, But it cut to Danny Kerr sitting in the crowd, and because I can read lips, I saw him say, first he laughed in, in a delighted manner, and then I saw him say, keep him on. Now, it's funny, but also, you know, I don't want to read too much into this, but Danny Kerr is on the record saying he's not retiring, he wants to keep playing, he wants to keep playing for England. But it does worry me sometimes when players are on the bench saying they just want to sit out a match. Like, I would sort of like him to be chomping at the bit to get on. But maybe there's something more to it we don't know about. Maybe he had a, who knows, maybe he had a, a tummy ache. Um... Honestly, in this match, I never say this, but I thought there were some dodgy calls going Quinns' way throughout this. But they weren't relevant, really. Quinns are just too good, despite Leicester giving it their all. Um, I would like, at the, at the risk of infecting them with my shyness touch, I'd just like to reiterate that I do think Quinns will win the league this year. Um, next week, I believe they're playing Saracens, and that's going to tell us a lot, isn't it? Um, two of the, you, arguably the two biggest names in each team... Uh, are the fly halves. Marcus Smith, I'm talking about, I'm back to Quinns versus Leicester, by the way. Quinns versus Pollard. Did Pollard start at 10 in this match? I can't remember, but it was an interesting matchup. They both had great performances. Pollard's was, was, as it tends to be, pure consistency and solidity and an air of physicality versus Marcus Smith's with his pyrotechnic wizardry. And I felt like Smith just about shaded that match. Um, you know, weighing everything into account, the fact that, you know, Quinns did win and maybe, you know, they weren't getting the same ball. But I think all things considered, uh, Marcus Smith outshone the World Cup winner in that, which is, you know, possibly meaningless. Moving on, Bristol versus Sale. I just want to say, little Harry Randall shoved his candle up Gus War's ass. Gus wore the Sale scrum half. Now, forgive me, because this is, this is such a shitty thing to say, but... I've taken a disliking to him, and I think it's because his face—he looks like a like a like a spaniel—and I don't know if you know what I mean by that. But there's something about his mannerisms when he's playing that bothers me. And I think the the, the fact um, that I mentioned last week that he is a um, 
not a very flash scrum half, that he just does the basics. Um, he runs around with floppy hair and a floppy face and a floppy attitude, and he passes the ball and he kicks the ball, and he's all right. And you've got Rafi Quirk sitting on the bench, who is a bloody superhero of a player. Um, and I think it's starting to irritate me, even though I still, you know, I still, um, what's the fucking word? <coughs> God, I'm so sorry. You know, I stand by what I said last week that maybe a team benefits more from a consistent, um, no, no flash, um, simple, um, passing, kicking machine. Maybe the, the team benefits more from that than a super athlete who doesn't always make the right decisions. Maybe I don't know, but he just bugs me, and I'm sick of it. And I would like Rafi Quirk to start next week, please. Um, really quickly, and I don't want to make a big deal out of this because it's such a stupid little score settling niche thing to talk about. But if you listen to this podcast and you're not in the rugby brethren, you will have heard me mention last week a certain sail winger um, who's very fast. And I pronounced his name in a very common way that lots of people pronounce it in. I know that you fuckers, brethren listening right now, I know that you're gaslighting me because it is impossible for you to be that blown away by the fact that I called Aaron Reed, which, by the way, I know an Aaron and I call him Aaron. I know a shit ton of Aaron's. And if you're listening to this and you're not in the Brethren, let me know if what I've just said has made your ears start bleeding uh, because I've used a syllable that has, as of yet, not existed in the English language. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Doesn't Aaron read? Who's Aaron Reed? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Um, I know... That at the very least, you will have heard Americans who are called um, Aaron. Um, not Erin, a girl's name, which is extremely uncommon. I've never met an Erin in my life, but the rugby brethren have heard of that name, apparently. Um, whereas Aaron, which was commonly used in Essex, where I'm from, where I grew up, I lived in a village with two Aarons that I could think of. They pronounced their name Aaron. Sometimes someone called them Aaron and their brains didn't explode. They just knew they were pronouncing it in a different way. I cannot grasp why me saying Aaron sounds to the rugby brethren like I've just gone. Bzzzrin, bzzzrin, Reed. What, what is that noise you're making? What did you just you said? Aaron. What? And like I said, yeah, 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 I know that you're that they're just trying to wind me up. But I literally contacted a friend of mine from Mersey Island in England to say, I'm not losing my mind, right? This was a common, this is a common way of saying the name Aaron. It could be Aaron or Aaron. And he was like, yeah, it was, yeah. And he mentioned, I don't want to name names, but he mentioned a couple of Aarons I know. So anyway, Aaron Reed scored again. That was good. Um, but he's still, he just, I don't know, because he's, he's a bit petite, isn't he? Um, but I don't know what more he can do. He is very, very, very fast. I'm not sure how he is defensively. It's hard to tell. I mean, he plays for Sale, who are quite a good defensive team. I don't know. Let's move on. 
Um, that's enough airing of my grievances. Um, now, little Harry Thacker, as I used to call him, I no longer call him that, because I was watching him play. Well, first of all, I started watching this match, and I went, where's Harry Thacker? Because Ogre, who I'd forgotten all about, former Wasps hooker, Ogre, who has been in the England squad, remember, was playing hooker for Bristol. And I went, oh, no, because I got Harry Thacker in my fucking fantasy team. And I went, this is bullshit. He must have must have come come off at the last second in the warm-ups. He must have injured himself or something. But then I saw Harry Thacker in a seven shirt. He was playing open side plank. And now I know Ogre has played seven before. And by the way, here's a prediction. If not next week, at some point, I bet you Pat Lamb plays Thacker at hooker and Ogre at seven. And I actually think it would work way better. Um, because in this match... This is the first time I've been bigging up Harry Thacker for England. Um, and I've said it a hundred times to you. I've said, if he's good enough, he's big enough. I don't care what the stats say. I've never seen him look small on a rugby pitch. And as a matter of fact, while I was watching this match, um, my girlfriend looked at Harry Thacker and he said, he is short and stout. And I said, yes, you're right. He is short and stout. He's a little teapot. So now I call him Harry the Little Teapot Thacker, which is not a good nickname for any rugby player. But he is a little teapot and he's short and stout. And so, yeah, he's a little on the light side, but he's compact. So he throws that weight around really well. However, in this match, Ogre looked an absolute monster carrying the ball. He was so physical, so explosive in a way that usually I see Thacker being. Whereas Thacker, maybe because he was in the back row, for whatever reason, roaming a bit more, it was the first time I actually noticed him looking possibly a bit lightweight. So I'm rethinking that. And I'd love to say that Ogre would be a great option to bring back into the England reckoning, but there's two problems. First one is he's been out for a while, right? So we need to see more of him. And uh, secondly, he wasn't throwing in at hooker. Uh, Harry, the little teapot Thacker was throwing in. And uh, that leads me to question the throwing abilities of Ogre. I don't remember what it was. I seem to remember it was a bit of a weakness of his before. And that's a big deal with hookers, as you already know, but you're, as you'll especially already know if you've watched my YouTube video on hookers. Um, check that out on Rugby Ranta Banter uh, on YouTube, at Rugby Ranta Banter. Um, anyway. That's that. Nathan Lane is good, isn't he? The fullback for Bristol. Don't know where he's from. For some reason, he looks Welsh to me, but I could be wrong. Could be Irish. Could be English. I don't fucking know. Um, that's that match. Bristol still just not quite able to seal the deal. Sale looking good. Northampton versus Exeter. I didn't think Saints were going to win this, did you? Um, but it was a. It was quite a solid... I tempted to say dominant win over Exeter, who were offside all day for the first, like, 20 minutes. Can you be offside all day for 20 minutes? I don't know, but it seemed like the, their back line was just constantly coming up offside, and it didn't matter because, well, because of Northampton's attacking brilliance. It was a massive win for Saints, a real statement. Um, you know who impressed me a lot for Northampton is their fullback, Hendy, who I... He's, uh, he's ginger, it doesn't matter. He's kind of gangly, and they liked making fun of his running style. But the point is, he does beat defenders. He looks very good. He looks, you know, it's too soon to start hyping him up for England. I'm not doing that. That would be insane. But he does look really good. Also, there's an Exeter winger whose name I don't remember. Um, 
He's a black winger and he's got massive traps. Um, he's a raw talent, makes mistakes, but very fast and powerful. Got my eye on him. Um, weird moment in the match. In the 27th minute, there was a ruck and I distinctly heard someone sing, Buffalo Soldier! And it was definitely coming from one of the players. And I'm like, if that's a code for something, fine. But he sang it, which was a weird choice. Um, Chris Wyatt, the Exeter fullback, was poor in defence again. He was poor last week and he was poor this week. I didn't realise he was already capped for Wales. Um, There's a big drop-off, I feel like, between him and Josh Hodge, who had been playing fullback for Exeter before he got injured. And he's now out for, what, five months? Terrible shame. Um, I was watching Chanyamunga in the Saints' second row today because he is a talent, and I hope we can get to see a bit more of him. Uh, didn't have a great game in this match, but did his job. Um, Aaron Painter, formerly of Saints, in an egg, in, in an Exeter shirt that was the biggest Exeter shirt ever, they said during the match. A 7XL. That's a great stat for a prop. I'm tempted... You know, he's almost worth having in the England squad for that stat alone. He wears a 7XL. Just put him in a scrum. Um, Finn Smith at Saints, uh, someone that I never really understood the hype behind, has been looking really solid at 10 all season. But, you know, fly half is another position where England has an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? We've got Marcus. We've got Farrell. We've got Ford. Those three are at the top. But Finn is right there with them in terms of performances this season. Um and you know what? Was it last week that Owen Farrell played? I think it was, where he had a shit game. It's one game, but fuck me, it was bad. Um, fucking TMOs. I'm just looking at my notes. The fucking TMOs are still intervening unnecessarily. There was a Saints try disallowed for a harmless tackle where an arm went around the neck of a Chiefs player at a ruck. So it wasn't the tackle, but, you know, a harmless arm. I get that it's illegal to... to to wrap around the neck, but it's just, I just think it's a shame that these illegal air quotes moments that actually have no impact, no impact on the game or the safety of the players. I find it irritating that they have to be highlighted and punished so religiously. I think a situation like that, the TMO could just mind his own fucking business, right? Um, now, speaking of dangerous uh, incidents. 68th minute, a boot to the face. Um, who was it who did it? I can't remember. Um, who was it who took that high ball? Armstrong, the scrum half. Yeah. I think, and you might disagree with me because some of you were insane, but that's a good call by Maxwell Keys. That is 100% a red card because I, if you can watch that movement, and genuinely believe, oh, he's falling, so he had to bring one foot up into his face. You do not understand the dynamics of human anatomy movement. I, It was an unnatural movement. He clearly lifted his foot. Now look, fullbacks have been doing it forever, jumping and lifting the knee slash foot. But nowadays, that is a fucking red card. And he absolutely put his foot out there as a weapon as a lance. I'm not saying he was necessarily going, I'm going to kick this guy in the face, but he brought his foot up in a way that is illegal. And fucking uh, Stuart Hogg is mental saying that it's an accident or biased 
or both. Um, feel free to disagree with me, but you're wrong. I mean, that is just... I generally don't like the idea of implying intent or reading a player's minds, but I think it's pretty clear that he was being dangerous and reckless with that. Um, I think that's all the matches, right? We've done Saints versus Exeter. We've done Bristol versus Sale. We've done Quinns versus... Oh, sorry, Gloucester versus Bath. What am I forgetting? Wait, Gloucester versus Bath. Leicester versus Harlequins. Bristol versus Sale, and then Saints versus Exeter. Yes, everything except the Saracens match, which was ruined for me. You tell me about that. You do a podcast and just just um, give me a, su- a summary or a breakdown of the Saracens um, Newcastle match. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm, I'll be honest with you. Um, really quickly, though, after all that, I do want to get back to what two things I was talking about earlier. First of all, hook a video on Rugby Rant Banter uh, YouTube channel. It's good. I'm recording it from the Bosque, which is the forest by the river. You've probably seen me there before. It is absolutely lovely. And there's a scary moment in which I am discovered by a um, a wandering uh, spy. Because I, I run out into the woods and get far away enough from humanity that I can record without looking like a twat. But someone walked by at some point, and it's quite an exciting moment. I think you'll agree. Um, so there's that. Check that out subscribe to the youtube channel i don't get anywhere near enough views on there and it's i know it's a long process but it is pissing me off um and i know that it's bullshit and unfair and nothing to do with the quality of my content because for example when i did a video for it of england losing south africa in real time very few views on my youtube channel but tiktok it practically went viral with south african fans so step up step up everybody if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed, that's awful. Okay. Also, I hinted at this earlier, I think. Um, the situation with people saying that the, the Gallagher Premiership is of a lower standard than some other leagues. Well, I have a few things to say about this. First of all, you've probably all seen the videos of Henry Arundel in France scoring a hat trick, as he is wont to do. Henry Arundel scores tries. Now, all of the the hoopla around this hat-trick has been, see what happens when you put the ball in his hands, Steve Borthwick. Now, there's kind of a contradiction going on here. You've got the same people saying that English rugby is, uh, the defences aren't good enough, and it's um, the scores are too high because the quality is too low. This is a league that Henry Arundel came from. He's playing in what everyone says is the best league in the world. And he scores a hat-trick there. And in an international, you've got to do more than just wait for the ball. And I'm not saying that he does that all the time, but that's what he did in an England shirt in that match. Um, Also, didn't he score five tries earlier? England have put the ball in Henry Arundel's hands before. Also, on this note, you read through the comments on YouTube, um, home of Rugby Ranch Banter YouTube channel. You read through the comments... And one stuck out, but there's a million just like it. He should play for France. First of all, no, he shouldn't, because he's fucking English, so it doesn't make any sense. You don't just get to play for whoever the fuck you want. And secondly, he literally can't, because he's capped for England. Um, I hate comments like that. I, I And, like, it seems treacherous to me. I don't even like it, and some of the brethren have done this. I remember when... um. 
what's his name? Oh fuck, who was the little short? Well, another short and stout player, the winger for um, Wasps for a while, Sale for a while, a dog woo qualified for Italy, and some of the brethren were saying he should play for Italy, and I was like, no, he shouldn't. He should play for England, and if he's not good enough, then that's unfortunate. Well, now he plays for Italy and doesn't really get picked, does he? Um, I'm getting sidetracked. All I'm saying is, I hate comments like that. It's stupid. He shouldn't play for another country just because he's decided to go over there and play and get paid a ton of money. Um, England is capable of putting the ball in his hands, but he does need to get himself in the right places. Also, the the counter side to this whole fucking Henry Arundel hat-trick thing is there's, an, there's other videos out there talking about what a defensive liability he was in that match. Now, I don't think either is especially true. I don't think he's going to always score hat-tricks when he's given the ball, and I don't think he's the world's worst defender, but I do think he's missing a little something when it comes to... Some of the tries that that were scored with him defending, most premiership wingers would have put their bodies on the line a lot more, would have had a lot more desperation to make that tackle. It was very lackadaisical. (coughs) And um, that's a huge problem. That is a huge problem at the top level. And don't get me wrong, I think Arundel is worth, I mean, I don't know what the... um, I don't know if the unusual circumstances clause or whatever the fuck it's called would allow him to still play for England right now while he's in France. But I still think he is, he has a place in the England conversation if he's available. Um, But I'm not sure, for example, I'd want him in a World Cup final against South Africa or New Zealand. um, When these little tiny margins are what win or lose your matches. I don't think uh, many, (coughs) Christ, I don't think many international coaches at the very top, would pick him for that. I don't think uh, New Zealand would pick him. I don't think South Africa would pick him. And I don't think Borthwick would pick him. Hence, he didn't. Um, But back to the the matter at hand of the premiership itself. I've been watching these games, and I hear people whose opinions I respect, and for all I know, you are right. But I hear people saying that they just don't see the same standards, the same intensity. I do. Like, I'm watching, like, some of these games are brutal. And I don't see terrible mistakes happening too often. Um, Especially with sort of the bigger teams. Um, Hang on a second. Sorry, I just had to drink some tea because I'm about to just cough my lungs up. Um, What I want to know is this. Okay, if our league um, is so shit and the defence has gotten so poor, then how come, you know, looking at Henry Arundel, for example, how come every time an Englishman goes to the top 14, he absolutely lights it up? You know? Zach Mercer couldn't get picked for England, went to France, player of the season, I think. Tom Willis wasn't really on anyone's England radar, went to France, absolutely amazing. Henry Arundel there now, doing the same thing, right? Carl Ferns, back in the day... Carl Ferns wasn't on anyone's England radar. England, England radar. Aaron Reed, it, um He wasn't on anyone's England radar until he went to France and started uh, putting in man of the match, player of the season type performances. Stefan Armitage wasn't really anyone's favourite until he went to France. I know I'm forgetting others. It seems like every time a player from the Premiership goes to top 14, they look better over there than they did in the Premiership. Now... 
Like all of the players I was talking about were solid Premiership players, but they seemed world class in France. And all of these players, when they returned to the Premiership, look at Tom Willis. You know, Mercer looked okay for Gloucester before he was injured. Um, but they tend to, when they come back, you know, there's exceptions to this because Carl Ferns was great in France and he went came back to England, he was probably a spent force. But bottom line is they come back to England and they don't look so great. Um, I just don't buy the idea that the Gallagher Premiership is suddenly a second-class league and that we're suddenly unable to compete. I predict, with my shyest touch fingers firmly in my pockets, I'm not saying that an English club will win the, the European Cup, but I think we will be more competitive than people are predicting. Okay, that's it. I'm about to die. I've got to finish this. Hopefully I was somewhat coherent um, and didn't just. Uh, uh, can hopefully I didn't sound the way I sound right now where I'm giving up in the middle of a sentence. I'm just too fucking tired. Follow me on Twitter at Eddie Stevens with an extra S at the end. Follow me on Instagram at Eddie Stevens Massive. Follow me on TikTok if you're a freak at Eddie Stevens Zero. There's weird things going on on TikTok. That's a subject for another day. And uh, as I've said at least three times today, for fuck's sake, subscribe to my YouTube channel, watch the videos, like them, share them, hype it up, and the world will be a better place. Okay, bye.